Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class, a production of iHeartRadio. Hello and happy Friday. I'm Tracy V. Wilson. And I'm Holly Fry. This week we talked about the princes in the tower. Uh, I think I have said before that I find episodes on royals where everyone has the same name and there's just a bunch of intrigue. I just, I find them to be very frustrating. Uh, But I chose to do The Princes in the Tower because somehow in my head, I thought there would be less of that and that I would get to focus more on the princes. And that was incorrect. Uh, Instead, (laughs) there was a lot of intrigue and only four names in use in the entire episode. There's Richard and Edward and Henry and Elizabeth, and that's pretty much all you got to work on. And boy, did I just mess up uh, Edward and Richard in the outline a bunch of times. Writing this episode took a full day and a half longer than it should have, and I had a really hard time. Uh, I know for a lot of people, myself included, living through a pandemic and also multiple other intersecting social and political and climate crises has made it really hard to concentrate. So when I was not done with this episode in time to record it on the day we were planning to record it, I was really like, is this pandemic brain or is it just that there is too much Edward and Richard (laughs) and it's taking me too much time to hopefully correctly sort through it all? It can also be a layering of all those things. That sure could. Every time we do an episode like this, I once again thank my lucky stars that I am not part of any royal family that might have such intrigues. Because who wants that life? Whew. Nope, not me. There were a, a lot of different sources that went into this episode, but there were two books in particular that were like the actual whole book-length books. One that seemed to me written clearly from this perspective of someone who thought um, Richard III definitely did not do it, and the tone of it was almost angry that anyone would ever believe that Richard III had done it. Like, it would have these passages in it. This was by Dr. John Ashdownhill, but it would have these passages in it that were like, and this was totally normal medieval precedent, and anyone who thinks otherwise does not know anything about medieval precedent. And I was like, whoa, okay, I should have also another book just to balance out this perspective. (laughs) And so the other book was just called The Princes in the Tower, and it was by Alison Weir. And uh, that one took a more neutral perspective, but also acknowledged, like, there are a lot of people now and were a lot of people at the time that thought that Richard III stole the throne. Right. And a a thing that's still kind of, like, stuck in the back of my head about that one is, like, I, as a 46-year-old adult human being, have lived through multiple incidents in world history where everyone thought something was happening and that's not what was happening. So I don't really know that everyone thought Richard III did it necessarily means that Richard III did it. And after having picked through all this stuff, I don't know that I really know what the real answer is. There is just a whole lot of circumstantial evidence, though, that Richard III really did take the throne from his nephew. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, right? I I feel like with stories like this, where people do get very attached to it, it becomes a matter of faith. And like, I believe this. Here is my, here is how I substantiate that belief. But like you said, we're not 
ever going to know. There's no there's yeah. no certainty, particularly because there is so little that we know about what was going on in the tower at all. Um, th- there's just really, pr- I mean, listen, the second I say we're never going to see it, see it unearthed at the end of the year, but... They literally found Richard III's remains under that car park. Right. So you never, ever know, but it does seem like, you know, the odds get longer every day. Yeah. Yeah. And I should also note that there, like, there are two different questions. One being, did Richard III usurp his nephew? Right. And the other being, did Richard III order his nephew to be murdered? And those are, like, two different but interconnecting Mm -hmm. questions. Also, we're not putting it into the feed as a Saturday classic for various reasons, but there is an episode, a full episode, about Richard III in the archive. It's one of the first episodes that you, Holly, were ever on. Uh, and it is from when they found the remains under the car park. Yes. Um, that talks a lot more about Richard III and how a lot of what was written about him during the Tudor era makes him increasingly evil-seeming and physically grotesque from those writers' point of view, mm-hmm. which makes it hard to then s- to weed out what seems like factually correct versus what seems more like uh, trying to make the Tudors look like they were definitely the correct people to be on the throne. <laughs> well, and that's the thing, too, right? There is a level of unconscious bias even in measured and well-researched histories. So even people that aren't necessarily even aware that they're positioning things based on a presumption, whether that be conscious or subconscious, of guilt or innocence or question marks, will still inform that text as they write it. So it makes a whole other layer of untangleability because it's somebody else's psychology that they may or may not even be aware is impacting their work. So, yeah. (sighs) Unless the time machine gets built in a hurry, we're not going to (laughs) know. We go back there? Yeah. Yeah. Not sure that would be where I went. (laughs) No, probably not for me. Although I do love, you know, uh, other, not so much about the royalty things, about like that era of history. But, you know, it's probably not the first place that I would go. Um, I am glad that we did an episode on the Princes in the Tower because now it's done. And I don't have to do it in the future. (laughs) That's a perfectly valid takeaway in my book. This week on the show, we talked about Olivia Ward Bush Banks, which is a name I stumbled across and had never heard it before and immediately was like, I want to know more about this person who has this combination of, like, social worker and teacher and speaker and activist and tribal historian for the Montauk Nation, all of that. Um, And I really had concerns about whether I was going to be able to find enough information about her. I do not know how many uh, feet of documents are in the library at Tulane, but pulling together the information um, for the, the episode took a lot of digging and reading PhD theses, which are not, you know, I don't normally spend a lot of time reading PhD dissertations for the show. That's just not typically one of the sources of information, but it was this time. 
<laughs> and little did you know that you were stumbling onto a super angry-making thing. Yeah, I, the whole part about the Montaukett Nation's land being stolen and then the New York legislature passing legislation about it three times and Cuomo vetoing it three times. Uh, if we swore on the podcast, that part would have been all swearing. Um, I did not find his rationales for vetoing the legislation to be acceptable. What were they? Well, one of them was something along the lines of, I haven't really reviewed it yet. And I was like, well, then review it. That's literally your job. And one of the one of the vetoes, at one point, it was sort of referred to the, uh, I guess, the New York State Department. Because there are genuinely complicated issues that, that go on in the relationship between states and sovereign indigenous nations and the federal government and indigenous nations. And, like, some of those things require some sorting out. But it really seemed like he just kind of passed the buck on that. And then it didn't go anywhere after that, which is why it then was reintroduced as additional legislation. I was doing the thing where I like recap my my spouse on on what I'm ta- what I'm researching on the podcast. We were walking to the farmers market, and I was telling him this whole saga about uh, about the you know the dividing up of the land and the coercing people off of it. And he said, "Skip to the end. Do they get their recognition back?" And I was like, "No." And um, what he yelled on the street was also something we could not put on our podcast. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's, he said, well, now that Cuomo is not governor anymore, like, will things change? And I was like, I honestly don't know. Like, I'm not versed at all about New York state politics beyond what I read researching this show about this issue. <laughs> I don't, so I don't know. Bills do sometimes get referred to committee and then kind get kind of stuck there in pretty much all legislatures in the U.S. So it's like I question marks at this point. Right. Frustrating question marks. I also don't think I said this in the episode, but Olivia Ward Bushbank's great-granddaughter, who's the person who uh, compiled and edited the collection of her work that was put out in 1991, um, also an, enroll- an enrolled member of the Montauket Nation. So... This is clearly something that is still affecting a lot of people living today. Um, And greater questions and conversations about people who have both Indigenous and Black ancestry continue to affect people in multiple different Indigenous nations all over the United States. And there's a whole long history about that. A lot of it very complicated so, yeah, it's uh, continuing to be relevant today. <sighs> a thing I 100% did not expect when I got into this episode, um, because it did not come up in any of the brief little biographies that I saw um, about Olivia Ward Bushbanks, was the efforts to get the film Birth of a Nation taken out of theaters in Boston. Yeah. Um Totally unaware that that had been part of her work at all. Um, But this was a huge movement all over the United States. And while I am sure there were some white people who also argued that uh, the film should not be shown, in large part, the, like, white communities supported it 
and communities of color were like, this has got to stop. Like, this is going to harm people, Um, which then turned out to be absolutely true. Yeah. If folks are interested in more uh, more of Olivia Ward Bushbank's work, that book that came out in 1991 is from the Schomburg Library of 19th Century Black Women Writers. It can be a little tricky to find uh, because it came out 30 years ago. <laughs> but it does have all of her work in there and uh, and discussion about that work. I didn't, I was not actually aware of this particular collection, like this particular collection specifically of Black women writers, but there are a lot of books in that collection, a lot of stuff that that was put out basically to, to fill a hole in published knowledge. And as I was just skimming through the other books that are part of it, some of them are ones that are totally expected. Like the first book on this list is... Phyllis Wheatley, Collected Works of Phyllis Wheatley, right? I would expect that uh, to be. There are also stuff by Sojourner Truth and Mary C. Cole and Elizabeth Keckley. So a lot of, of books by names that I recognize, but also some, like, names that I've never heard of before. And so I kind of want to dig up a lot more of these women and see what I can find out about their lives and their work, um, because some of them were just not not nearly as familiar to me. That sounds like a good plan. Yeah. Um, Eliza Potter, a hairdresser's experience in high life. I'm all over it. I'm intrigued. So, if you'd like to write to us uh, about this or any other podcast or history podcast at iHeartRadio.com and all over social media at Missing History, it's Friday. Hope everybody has an amazing weekend, whatever is on your plate. And we'll be back with an episode from a Saturday Classic tomorrow. And then on Monday with a brand new show. Stuff You Missed in History Class is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.